A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Coming to you almost live from our studios in New York, this is Tom Reads Your Story. Stay tuned for readings from social media and other spoken word projects. Join me right now. I'm your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. We'll have your words from social media and much, much more right after this word from audible.com. In early September comes a story of horror and haunting regret. A group of homeless men fishing for a little fun and folly latch on to something that might be a mermaid. Remember, regret lives on and lingers long after the last teardrop has fallen. Harry's Mermaid is written by the poetic master of modern-day horror, Steve Vernon, and narrated by Tom Zanian. Rust Belt, USA, where steel is dead, hope is scarce, and hardship is a way of life. Miles Junction is but one of many northeastern Ohio towns, long forgotten and left behind, its residents living on the cusp of financial, emotional, even spiritual destitution. Taking place during the last few decades of the 20th century, in just the right light, written by William R. Solden and narrated by Tom Zania is a glimpse at one region's bleak inheritance and the precarious lives of those who remain to rummage through the fallout of its past. There's a doorway on Mars that has mankind's greatest minds perplexed. Deep beneath Mars, an ancient secret is revealed, and a team of explorers led by Forrest Judge, Deputy Commander. The doorway closes, and the team is trapped. Six mission specialists each with unique skills, each with different reasons for wanting to break free of the primordial trap. In Dinosaur Red, written by Edward J. McFadden III and narrated by Tom Zania, Judge is forced to choose between escape and changing the course of humanity. What will he do? All three of these great books are narrated by Tom Zania and are available now at audible.com. Hello, this is Tom from Tom Reads Your Story. Starting July 15th, we'll be busy moving our New York studios to a new and improved location. And unfortunately, we won't have the time or infrastructure to produce a new episode of the show. We hope you will take this opportunity to listen to the many other episodes on our podcast list. We'll be back on August 4th, and we very much hope to see you then. Thanks for listening. We are back. Welcome back, everyone who was here last week and the week before and 
those of you who have been listening for a long time, we greatly appreciate it. If you are a new person, a new visitor to Tom Reads Your Story, I am very glad to meet you. I, I can't really meet you because this, this is uh, radio. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. You'll find friends here, as they say on uh, some of those other podcasts. Um, but um, today, uh, we got some good things happening. Two very good uh, postings from, well, three, actually. Good postings from Facebook in the uh, the after days of the 4th of July holiday. I hope you had a great holiday, by the way. Safe, fun, and all that other stuff. First of all, what we have um, is something by Buck, who uh, you're well familiar with by now. Uh, This is called Dreading the Fireworks. This is about how fireworks don't just get dogs scared, or maybe other pets, but they get uh, our veterans kind of spooked. And it uh, it's a problem. It's something that should be thought about. You know, two of these posts today, dreading the fireworks and all must reckon with the past. They sort of go past that uh, glitz and glamour of the 4th of July and examine that. Uh, we as Americans, we as a nation, still have problems that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to say, yeah, it's nice to celebrate our independence, but you know, it's not really heard. I think it's maybe starting to be that way. We're starting to say things like, you know, let's teach our children what's really happened in the past in this country. Um, so we've got uh, dreading the fireworks first. That's by Buck. All must reckon with the past. That's from Occupy Democrats. That's a very good one. Uh, about how other countries say, look, you know, this happened. And they don't come out and, and just say, you know, we're going to fly our flag and we've always been perfect. And no. Uh, I'm talking about Germany. And uh, how they've admitted uh, through certain people these terrible things that went on during World War II. The other, uh, the other posting that I uh, am playing today is by me. <laughs> it's a little uh, kind of a review blurb called Loving the Heights. I put it first in Facebook and then I pasted it into my blog, into my Random Notes blog, if you want to read it. Uh, That's, of course, randomnotes2.weebly.com. Talks about just how wonderful I thought 
In the Heights was. Uh, I talked about In the Heights either last week or the week before, and I said that I hadn't got around to seeing it or reviewing it, obviously. But I did finally see it, and I thought it was so great, and I highly, highly suggest that you see it, and I'm probably going to buy the DVD eventually. I only buy the DVD if I'm really, really crazy about something, a movie. Um, but definitely go see In the Heights. So let's start things out with Dreading the Fireworks by Buck. Dreading the Fireworks by Buck Just watched, from the safety and comfort of my living room, the very commendable 20-plus minute fireworks display from the downtown riverfront. A gift to the city from Soaring Eagle Casino that probably cost them somewhere close to a million quarters. For about the same number of years, we've celebrated our day of independence with colorful things that go boom the hot sizzle of sparklers and crappy little dime store things with fuses that go out before anything happens. We've done that with the assumption that everybody enjoys it equally. Most of us do. Many of us don't. A lot of us who served in combat zones never saw combat. I'm one of those. But of the millions who were fired upon and fired back, the sound of those high-flying cracklers evokes memories they hope to forget. You can imagine what the impact of those cloudbusters must do to them. Nobody's advocating celebrating the 4th by throwing marshmallows in the air, including the combat survivors who dread this celebration. But while we're enjoying bombs bursting in air and rockets red glare, Let's think of and be sympathetic to the grunts who have made it possible. Also, let me share with you one of the Matthews family most memorable 4th of July celebrations. This happened many fourths ago when our kids were young enough to go where adults might think about it. This was when we had a cottage on an inland lake in Muskegon County. Our son, whose creativity has carried him nicely in his career, had the bright idea of making the firework of the age by shredding a batch of sparklers into an aluminum pie plate and setting it off. He had the foresight to do it at the end of the dock so it could be shoved off into the water if it got out of hand. Well, let me tell you, it was spectacular. Bright as a star for about 22 seconds, and burned a hole in the dock. He was not punished. All Must Reckon with the Past by Occupy Democrats, quoting Guy Rose. Whenever I hear white Americans say, my family had nothing to do with slavery, so why should I apologize? I think of Willy Brandt. Willy Brandt was Germany's chancellor from 1969 to 1974. In 1970, 
he made an historic visit to Poland. Brandt came to the site of the Warsaw Ghetto, an open-air walled prison where the Nazis forced Jews to live before liquidating it in 1943. Brandt came to acknowledge Germany's culpability in the murder of three million Polish Jews, 90% of the country's Jewish population, and nearly half of the six million Jews killed and burned to ash by the Nazis. Brandt was there to lay a wreath, but as he approached the memorial, he fell to his knees in anguish. It was an act of deep humility and courage. At the time, there were older Germans who hated it, who saw it as a sign of weakness. Brandt's gesture could not bring back six million murdered Jews or the millions of European civilians also murdered. But it was the beginning of Germany's true reckoning with the past. It's important to add that Willy Brandt fled Nazi Germany as a young man and survived the war in hiding as a dissident. He was a marked man by the Nazis, often escaping capture and death. So if anyone had an excuse to say, I'm not responsible for what my country did, it was him. But Brandt understood that he was a part of a society that committed mass murder on an unimaginable scale. And he had to act. Brandt knelt in Warsaw a few years before I was born. But as a descendant of victims, I remember learning about what he did, even as a child. It wasn't going to erase the past, but it was a start toward reconciliation and building a more just society. As a boy in the early 1980s, I remember my parents had friends in their 40s, close to my age today, who had numbers tattooed on their arms. Holocaust survivors. They were young and vibrant. I remember that. And by that time, their trauma had been recognized by much of the world. It didn't change their pain and the nightmares of their lived experience, but also they knew that their suffering had been acknowledged. That matters. Germany is an imperfect country. I know, I lived there. But the average German knows and understands the details and legacy of the mass murder and persecution their forebears committed. German school children visit the remains of death camps. There are monuments to the murdered Jews of Europe across the country. There are national days of mourning You'd be hard-pressed to find a public monument to any Nazi. In fact, you won't, because they are not allowed. Now imagine in the U.S., we have monuments to men who fought a war to preserve the institutionalized terrorization and enslavement of African Americans. Every day, millions of African Americans in cities throughout the U.S. pass those statues. It's not just a reminder of their oppression but a reminder of their country's failure to reckon with the past. In Germany, there are still racist and anti-Semitic people. That exists around the world. No society is immune. But expressing pro-Nazi views or denying the cruelty of their Nazi past is culturally unacceptable and in some cases illegal. It means that, as a general rule, German society has been able to develop into a healthier and more just society. Does every German like it? No. 
there are plenty who bitterly resent the fact that their national institutions memorialize the murdered Jews of Europe. But they are a distinct minority of people whose voices are roundly condemned and quashed. Because Germany knows that hatred, at the end of the day, is self-corroding. It is bad for Germany. Most school children in the United States still do not learn that plantations were concentration camps where terror, rape, assault, and brutal family separation took place. They do not learn about the generations of families ripped apart at the snap of a finger or the immense wealth that was created and passed on to this day by people who benefited from the free labor of enslaved humans. And that for more than 100 years after the Civil War, African Americans continued to be terrorized by the state apparatus. I believe if more white Americans understood these and so many other horrors of the black experience in America and truly committed ourselves to a reckoning with both real and symbolic reparations, our country would become stronger, more just, healthier, and prouder. Guy Rose. Loving the Heights by Tom. So this afternoon, I went and caught the 12.30 p.m. showing of In the Heights at the Empire 25 in Times Square. Be advised, the movie didn't start until almost 1 p.m. Why? Previews of mostly crap that I'll never want to see, that's why. I actually thought I was in the wrong theater because it was almost 12.55 and the movie still hadn't started yet. Anyway, I had only previously seen short clips of the Broadway production of In the Heights on YouTube and really didn't know what to make of it, not knowing the story. But In the Heights is worth all the hype it's getting. It's about family, community, dreams, love, ethnicity, and a celebration of it all. A film musical of a Broadway show that didn't get screwed up from a lack of vision. Lin-Manuel Miranda and director John Chu cooked up a montage of music, lyrics, dance, and dialogue that somehow blends together naturally as one thing, aims right for our hearts, and never misses. All of the cast of Broadway people is terrific. See it on the big screen. Wow. Just loved it. So, we had three, I think, very good pieces. Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, my reads of those postings from Facebook and that you will think about coming back if you're new here uh, to listen to some good things. And that brings us to the end of yet another episode. Another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. If you enjoyed your visit today, please 
tell your friends because we're always looking for new ones. Be sure to email me at TomReadYourStory at Yahoo.com if you have questions or comments about the show. As always, thanks Anchor.fm for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. Take care. Bye now. This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.